Yeah. Hi, this is Nancy Herald, and welcome to High Road to Humanity. And today I have Kira Markoff here, and she's written this cool book, Mindfulness and Me. And welcome to High Road to Humanity, Kira. Thanks for having me. We're laughing because I'm trying to get my act together here, you guys, on the high road, but we're really glad she's here. She's joining us from Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. This book is really cool. Um, she says, are you ready to see mindfulness in a whole new way? This is a practical guide for living, and we're going to hear what she has to say. Now, she is a licensed social worker, and uh she is a psychology PhD student. She's practiced yoga and meditation since 2018 while working as a mental health therapist. So tell us your story. I want to know what prompted you, because you're pretty young at your yeah. age, yeah, to put this together. I mean, was it your schooling? Was it because you had to put this together or was it something that was like in your soil and you're like, all right. So this is going to make me sound kind of kooky. Um, it dropped in as a fantastic idea. So I did it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Essentially, like if you had asked me, um, you know, a, two years ago, even if I saw myself as an author writing a book, I would have said no, okay. <laughs> like it just wasn't. Yeah. So kind of backtracking of like how I got here and where this book really comes from. Um, my clinical world was very separate from my like yoga practice mindfulness and meditation and I really came to mindfulness and meditation through yoga that was kind of my entry road mm -hmm. and then it really just it clicked it made sense and it was really like if this is so profound and useful and accessible and practical for me then it makes sense that it would be for other people too you know and so I almost felt like if I didn't use mindfulness and meditation practices in my work as a mental health therapist, it kind of felt like I was keeping some really valuable tools from people. You know, it just, it didn't make sense to keep that kind of hidden away in a yeah. closet. No, I'm with you. I felt that way. I wrote a book uh, about energy and it's about mm -hmm. spoken word and how your thoughts and putting it out there and, you know, affirmations. And I wrote it yeah. because I felt like if I didn't tell people, right. It's the same deal. Then you feel like, well, you're keeping this information. And if everybody yeah. knew it, then we'd all be healthy. Right. Exactly. It's like, it's a secret, except it's not, you know, and what's the best right. way to make something not a secret? Publish a book about it, you know, like get it. the word out there and let people know, like really what, what mindfulness in me is, is it's a toolbox, right? N and that's why there's 56 practices because not every practice is going to resonate with people. And there's such a spectrum, but the bottom line is it's simple and it works, mm -hmm. you know? that's really what the message is, is like, it's not supposed to be some intangible, weird kind of metaphysical response. It's, it's really as simple as breathing in and out makes you feel better. That's true. And you know, and it, I was telling you before the show, it's hard for me personally. I mean, I have to really, cause I'm type A, there's a lot of type A people out there. Yeah. A difficult a time. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I have a difficult time. I mean, I really have to like, okay, get into it. But you say there's a magic in simply letting things be as they mm -hmm. are. Mm -hmm. And I love that you put that in the book because it's true. If we could just sit still and not look at our phone, you know, I've noticed that with everybody. 
The phone has really been a problem. I'll just throw this in here really quickly because I'll be sitting here meditating. And if I don't have the phone turned off and I hear it ting, I'll stop and look. Yep. Isn't that terrible? Have mm-hmm. you read- I'll be in the middle of a yoga practice and you know, what's that notification? I know. <laughs> yes. That has become a problem, hasn't it? It's terrible for our nervous systems, actually. It's really, really devastating for our nervous system because yeah. we get on this um, kind of always needing to be on, always needing to be paying attention and everything is urgent. You know, these notifications, everything is urgent, everything is urgent. And that's so stressful. Well, yeah. And then it's like, they just want me to buy shoes at Macy's. You know what I'm right. saying? Well, it's not really urgent, but your whole nervous system still had this alert response yeah. to what could have been something yes. urgent and need immediate attention. Yeah, it's really kind of messed with us, you know, and that I'm so glad you put this together. So talk to me a little bit. Let's rewind. So you're, you got this idea and you decided that everybody should know about it. And you put together different practices in here. Talk about some of these practices because there's a, there's a lot of information in here. Yeah, I know it looks small, but it's deceptively, it's deceptively well, small. Well, you talk about, for example, the bumblebee breath, and I don't know mm-hmm. so much about that. It's the Brahmari, is that right, breath? Yeah, so that's a, a yogic breathing practice. Um, some people really love it, some people really hate it. Okay. And I think that's kind of well, experience with a lot of practices. Well, what's it um, demonstrated for us here, Karen? Sure, so Brahmari breath has kind of a hand placement that goes with it. So you can opt to not do that if you don't want. You can also just choose to put your hands on your head. Some people really like the soft pressure, but the traditional practice is to have some sensory deprivation that comes along with this. So you put your first two fingers over your eyes, um, ring finger goes at the base of the nose, and then pinky finger goes at the corners of the mouth. So essentially you're cutting off those sensory pathways. Now I have to explain this, but your thumbs go over your ears once you actually start practicing, but you need those for now. Um, So essentially that's where your hands go like this. And then you take, you start with a full breath out and then you breathe in to start the practice. And when you breathe out, it's a hum and you can play around with different frequencies, lower vibrations. So lower tones are going to be for grounding, for relaxation, for kind of subduing the energy versus higher frequencies are going to be more for if you want to kind of kick up the energy a little bit, also helps with focus and concentration to be more alert. So you can kind of play around based on where you are and where you want your energy to be. Right, now why the hands? What's the what's the, what's the purpose behind this? So that's the sensory deprivation part. Um, so one limb of yoga, one part of yoga is sensory deprivation, which in Sanskrit is pratyahara. Okay. And so essentially when you cut off patterns uh, or when you cut off pathways for external stuff to come in, then you create- Like we were just talking about. Exactly. Oh my right? God. You don't have all of that bombarding you. Right. You have the space and the availability to really go inward. I love, you know what? Yeah, that is very, very cool. I Would you like to try it out? Well, no, it's okay. I'm going <laughs> to- it's hard because I'm trying to, you know, I have to look at you and do it at the same time, but, um, go, you go ahead and do it and, and, you know, just. Sure. I'll let, I'll, I'll do um, three rounds to kind of show you how the different. Yeah. Yeah. For the audience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, I 
It was relaxing. Of course, I do it quick. <laughs> that is yeah. relaxing. You know, it's the vibration. I'll say that. I have a crystal um, singing bowl, and mm -hmm. I'm really into the vibration. Uh, I believe it does balance our chakras. And that humming, just like Om. Don't yes. you see? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very similar. And I actually did this, I run a mindfulness group therapy session and I did this with my group and one of the, the group members popped up and she said, if this is about sensory deprivation, why am I listening to a sound? And I thought that was a really good question, but it's not about listening to the sound. It's like you said about feeling the vibration. So it's mm -hmm. that internal sense of being able to feel it. You're not really listening for a tone. Right. And haven't you ever noticed if you run into somebody who's humming, how happy they are? <laughs> yeah really and, it, and I've actually done this um so a little bit about me I not road rage but I get irritated at people while I drive because people drive like they don't know how to drive sometimes um but this will really calm me down while I'm driving and I don't do anything with the hand placement like I'm like I'm still alert and watching the road obviously but just a really long slow mm -hmm. like you're humming like hum out helps to be kind of even me back out. Now you want to know what I do? And I did it yesterday and I keep doing it because I figured this out and now I do it all the time. And I just cut. And if I forget to do it, then I have seen the difference. It's like my little experiment. So I'm pushing my energy out with love and light. So I'm pushing out love and light. So I get in the car. <laughs> this is great yesterday. So I get in the car and I have to go get blood taken. I hate that. So I'm like, all right, you don't have to go far, but I'm going to play. And I pushed out love and light and I made every light and got the parking spot up front. So I'm just telling wow. everybody, it's exactly what, you, and it's the same thing you're talking about when you're humming, because what you're doing is you're putting out a positive vibration and it changes your pathway. I believe. What do you think? I don't see why not. I think it does. <laughs> She's like, okay, dance. You have all kinds of cool mantras in here. Well, actually, they're meditations. I really liked a lot of them. There's one that's a cloud uh, meditation. Mm. Yeah, I have a particular me. affinity for clouds. And yeah. it's funny. I said this one time and my husband laughed at me. I, I said, I love clouds because they're always different. Like, right. have you ever noticed that you look at a cloud and you never see the same one twice? It's like snowflakes. Mm. But clouds are a wonderful kind of metaphor for emotions because they're always changing. They're there whether you notice them or not. No matter how dark or gloomy things can seem, the sky is always there behind it, right? The sky doesn't go away just because it's covered by clouds. And so sometimes you just have to sit through those gloomy days and trust that, you know, the sun will come back. Yeah, it always does, right? Isn't that cool? Yeah, it always does. Well, and that brings me to my next one that I wrote down, and I hope you'll tell the little story. Um, You have the anger mantra, the anger meditation, which I, I wrote it down because I think people can use this right now. People mm. seem to be angry. And I love the story of the Cherokee Brave and his grandson. Do you want to tell uh, that to the audience, or would you mind? Sure, sure. So there's a story. Um, 
and I believe it's a traditional Native American story. Yeah, I do not claim to be an expert in Native American history. Um, but so a, a, a grandfather is talking to his grandson and um, the grandfather says, inside every person is two wolves at battle. One wolf represents uh, anger and aggression and hatred and all that is bad. And the other wolf represents kindness and love and compassion and generosity and all that's good. And the right. grandson asks his grandfather, he says, well, who wins? And the grandfather says, the one you feed. Right. And that would, if people could get that right now, today, you know what I mean? With the way the mm -hmm. world is right now, mm -hmm. you know, if we could just be more kind, I don't know. I think meditation calms people down. It does. I think too, people don't always realize when they're feeding the angry wolf Maybe. because I like the, um, the Buddhists describe kind of our internal emotional environment as a garden okay. and talk about how we can water certain seeds within us is very okay. similar to the, the wolf story, right? So you can water seeds of anger. You can water seeds of hatred. You can water seeds of love and compassion, right? Right. The difference is that it is, it's not just us that waters and cares for the seeds. We can be around people or in situations that are watering the seeds of anger within us. So if we're around- well, Yeah, people, and that's when you have to cut those people off there, Kira. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, you know, like we don't always realize that other people are kind are of feeling our anger. Yeah, yeah, but that's right. very valid and we have to be well, aware that that happens. Right, well, I'm an empath. And I'll tell you what, I mean, just the energy of a negative person, even though I'm a positive, bright little light out in the world, I pick up. And so uh, I think not to sound harsh, I don't want this to sound harsh, but a lot of people, even if you're not an empath, you do pick up the energy of other people. And if you're in a work environment where it's a harsh environment, or if you're in a home environment, that's a harsh mm -hmm. environment, it affects us energetically. So yep. it affects everything. And even when we try not to have an effect, and the reason I bring this up is, you know, even though like the person across the street, I could pick up their energy even subconsciously. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm The science about. actually supports you in that. Mm -hmm. Um the science says that our subconscious nervous systems are always in communication with each other. Right. So it's, you know, meditation can help, I think, mm -hmm. clear out, I'll just tell you my, my opinion, a lot of that, you know, I've taught the audience to bring in the light. We were talking about this before the show and to ground with Mother Earth, but I feel that light is clearing our chakras and it's balancing our energy fields. So that, that outer, and I fill up my vessel as much as I can with yeah. light, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like I was talking, push it out so that I don't know, but the, but talk to us about, um, I'm just going to ask for this cause I need it too. So I bet other people do too. I was telling you before the show, I have a hard time sitting. What do you, what do you suggest for people? <laughs> like, you know, there's a lot yeah. of us out there. I mean, and you told me something, you said, you know, I should sit for an hour, <laughs> but I mean, talk about this. What can we do? How can we change this? Well, I mean, that's the narrative, right? From almost every person I talk to, I hear, I can't sit still, right? I can't sit still. Stillness is really uncomfortable. Like I fidget. I'm not comfortable. My mind races, right? That's 
that's the barrier that people feel when they try to do this. Right. right. Yeah. And there's a few different ways to kind of go around that. One is to set a timer and to sit in the discomfort, I've knowing that. that you're going to, knowing that you're going to fidget, knowing that you're going to want to move, knowing that your mind is going to go hundred miles an hour. How long, how, how long, I'm going to interrupt you and ask you, how long do I set the timer for? It doesn't. I've been doing like 15 minutes. Like if I can just sit for 15 minutes, sure. it's an accomplishment. Yeah, no, I think 15 minutes is great. I think you can build up to 15 minutes. So you don't have to start at 15 minutes. Maybe you start okay. with five minutes. Okay. And once you notice that you're able to do it without like peeking at your timer, maybe you add on 30 seconds or a minute, you know, and kind of yeah. work your way up to a place that feels comfortable. Right. Another thing that you can do is let yourself start with movement. Um, so you start with gentle stretches, with making sure that your body's totally comfortable and yeah. you give yourself as much time as you need to really settle into a place of stillness. Because here's the thing, if you are go, 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 right? Type A, checking things off your list, checking notifications all the time, go, 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 right? And then you're like, okay, time to sit in stillness. Like that's, that's shocking. That's like taking your nervous system from a place that's really hot and dumping it into a right. barrel of cold water. And that's why I think you should do it in the, this is me. That's why I think it's really important to connect in the morning. You know, yeah, I know morning, everybody yeah. can't, but I think you should. I think it should be like the same thing as brushing your teeth. Mm -hmm. Whether yep. you've got 15 minutes or 20 minutes, and I'm just talking about, you know, every, I know people have to be somewhere at a certain time, but if you don't connect and you don't take those few minutes, I mean, when you do, it makes a difference. That's all I know. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The morning, maybe not for people with young kids, but yeah. the morning <laughs> has some natural stillness qualities, right? right. Just like the sun is just getting up, you know, the, the birds are chirping, but everything feels kind of slow in the morning. So it has that natural stillness that might help. The other thing is there's no reason to put rules on it. You okay. know, there's no reason that it needs to be a certain amount of time, that it needs to be a certain type of practice, that it needs to look a certain way. What you're going for is just what works for you. Because right. the thing that works the best is the thing that you're going to do consistently. You know, mm -hmm. if you can do your ideal thing once a week, that's not as helpful as doing the thing that you can do every day. Even if that's just remembering to take a really big inhale of your coffee to really enjoy it in the morning, that's right. better than nothing. Right. Well, it's true. I had a guy on, uh, he was talking about the power of awe. He was a medical doctor and he was talking about taking those few minutes and, you know, to smell the coffee, to stop yeah. and smell the roses. And it's true. You know, we've gotten so crazy about, you know, hurry, hurry, hurry. It's, it's good to slow down. Um, I want to hit a couple more things that are in your book that I really thought were nice. Uh, your kindness journaling. I really mm. thought that was cool. Can you talk about that real quick? Sure. So the kindness journaling is a practice that I really, really love. And you can do it a couple of different kinds of ways, which I kind of touched on a few times already, but I love the practices that are the most customizable okay. and you may choose to do it different ways each time you do it. But I love when you can make choices for yourself based on what you need in the moment and how you're feeling. So the kindness journaling, essentially what you do is you remember back to a time when somebody did something kind for you. I know this is so cool. Go ahead. And <laughs> you can write it either as a journal entry where you're just kind of reflecting on it, or you can actually write it as a letter to the person who did the kind act. 
So you can say, dear so-and-so, it really meant a lot when you, whatever they did for you, and it made me feel this way, or it was really important because I was going through a hard time, right? You really let yourself just kind of soak in how good that made you feel and what it meant for you. Uh, and then you can choose if you want to just kind of keep that for yourself, or if you want to send that letter to the person to let them know what that really meant for you. Mm. And this practice was kind of an extension on, it was inspired by Thich Nhat Hanh, who talks about words as nourishment. Right. So that's kind of well, where the inspiration came yeah, from. Yeah, because words have power. And just the power mm -hmm. of you writing down that feeling, mm -hmm. putting the energy into it. You know, I really like that you, yeah. that you have all these different practices. There's a lot of different meditations and stuff. It, what would you like to share with us? What's really something that you want to share with the audience? I really enjoy um man I like all of it <laughs> <laughs> she's like I, I love my book it's really I know good. I do when did it I come read out? it myself let <laughs> me ask you that I should know this but when did it come out when was so, it so the UK release date was May 26th and the US was June 1st so okay. it is brand brand new well I knew it was brand new but I wasn't sure on your date so how so yeah. so far have you had a lot of good responses um has the family run it? I mean, you know, how's <laughs> I know it's always interesting. Your family's the worst. Cause I, I wrote a book and I, it's like really crazy because the other people will be like, Oh yeah. And your family's like, why did you write that? Anyway? <laughs> no, I've had really good responses from everyone who's read it. Um, cool. Nobody really knows who I am. So that's kind of the biggest challenge for me is like, getting it out there out there to people yeah yeah but I love to talk about it and anyone who will talk about it with me you know I'm <laughs> I, I never run out of things to say about it but I have uh so far five star reviews on Amazon so all right yay that's you <laughs> um, yeah I think the most like critical feedback that I got was that it was like pretty basic and I was like good that's what I was going for so well, yeah because people sometimes these books are way out there and you're like dude I just want to know how to do this right like what am I doing why am I doing it and how does this apply to what I'm actually trying to accomplish in my life you know yeah because like your things are like, for example, I'll just bring this up. I like the candle meditation. Mm -hmm. um, and it's only like a page or page and a half. Talk about mm -hmm. the candle meditation. That's kind of cool. So the actual practice or? Yeah. Like the what's the purpose? To help explain to people what's the, what's the purpose behind it? Sure. So uh, the candle meditation is really about uh, tuning in to focus, right? And being able to hold something as the object of your mindfulness or meditation practice. And it's that flame. And it's the act of watching the flame and not not getting distracted, but noticing distractions and being able to gently guide yourself back to what it is that you're trying to pay attention to. And there are so many distractions in, in life. We were talking about notifications, sometimes right. emotions, people, feelings, all of those can be distractions from whatever your your goal or your intention is in this moment and so when you practice focus using a candle meditation you're building the habit in your brain for being able to come back to whatever it is that you're trying to pay attention to i need so, to do this you should it's so fun and who doesn't enjoy looking at a candle i was gonna say like these practices 
they're they're enjoyable to do them yeah and they're all really beneficial to your life well yeah no i agree and i've done the candle meditation before but you know how you think oh i've done it okay i'm not going to do it right we'll also talk about walking meditation which a lot of people and i'll just say mm. this you know my daughter's a runner she always tells me mom because i always say meditate and she's like i meditate when i run yeah and a lot of people do and a lot of people meditate when they walk mm-hmm so it's interesting. Everybody kind of has their way. You can even really meditate when you're doing the dishes in my mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What do you, yeah, yeah. I think so. Well, I think to me, so I think that kind of touches on the difference between mindfulness and meditation, which you may care about, you may not, it doesn't really matter. Right. Um, but really the goal is that the, these moments of connection, these moments of kind awareness and presence they're like pearls, right? And so each one is a beautiful pearl. And when you do them again and again and again, you get this beautiful necklace, right? Or this beautiful life of kind awareness. And so it's not just sitting in your meditation room and then living your life, right? Just like therapy is not 45 minutes and then doing the rest of your life the same. That's not really that useful, right? right? But it's about being able to bring in this kind awareness and presence when you're doing the dishes, when you're washing your hands, when you're taking a shower, when you're driving. Right. Or when you go into Walmart. <laughs> exactly. Being able to look people in the eyes, right. And have that yeah. moment of connection because you're not looking down at your phone or you're not so, so rushed or distracted that you don't even see what's going on around you. Well, I just see that, you know, out in the world right now, this is a, a really needed because, you know, people, I don't know what it is there. It, there's like an attitude in the air. It's very odd. And, you know, it, it was funny. I went to the store the other day and the guy that was there when I walked in was wonderful, but then other people were bad. And then I walked out and he's like, people are weird today. And I'm like, yeah, I know, you know, but I always think if you just smile, mm-hmm. if you just smile at somebody, regardless of whether they smile back, that's okay. At least you're putting out that good energy. That's the only thing I really know to do. Do you get this too? Like when you go to, you go out in the world, doesn't it seem like there's a little bit of tension going on right now? There is a lot. I think that there are a few reasons why, and people may disagree with me, but I think the biggest two are, we don't have communities like we used to. So people feel like they're doing it alone. And because of that in part and other factors involved, people are really stressed Mm. and stress does the reverse, right? Is it causes disconnection. And I'm a firm believer that stress makes us selfish because when I'm stressed, I Mm. I'm uncomfortable and I want relief for myself. And so my own suffering becomes the focus of my attention because I'm hurting, right? When I'm hurting, I need to take care of myself. Like that's, that's a safety issue and Mm -hmm. stress feels the same way. And so when we're really stressed, we get selfish. Um, that's interesting because you buy different extents. I think you buy things when you're stressed. Well, you might, but that the buying things would be to soothe the stress, right? That's I'm trying what to I'm make saying. myself yeah. feel better. Yeah. yeah. But people do that in different ways. You know, it some shopping may not appeal to everybody, but it's those same kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And so we feel alone. We feel stressed. We don't have good support systems to turn to that can help us, you know, so it all just kind of snowballs. And then people feel frazzled and unhappy. 
Right. I'm going to go back to while I get up in the morning and do this and back to connecting with that energy. I think it's mm-hmm. all about, and the reason I'm so big on meditation, this is why I'm so big on it, even though it's very difficult for people like me to do it is because you it's like, I, I do it because I do connect, even though I don't sit as long as I should, just that connection. It's almost like it's, um, I don't know what the word is for it. You have to keep doing it. You have mm-hmm. to, keep, once you do it, I just will say this and I, I want you to expand upon it. Once you start connecting every day and journaling every day, you have to do it. It's like you crave it. You yeah. crave that energy that I guess that's the word I'm looking for. I don't know another word to say it yeah. because if you don't like when you bring in the light every day or bring up the light and do both or just take those few minutes and then you stop doing it. Mm-hmm. it's like you can't you have to keep doing it it's weird yeah. isn't it do you know what I'm talking about well it's like you know if I'm trying to think of a good example it's like if you never ever bathe right or you never ever <laughs> brush your teeth right and then you start brushing your teeth every day you're then like you whoa go three four five days without brushing your teeth you're like oh man my breath really stinks because you notice now what it feels like when you didn't have that awareness before so this is why I think your book is so important and why it's just so important that people connect because it's just as, it's the most important thing you can do for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You think, Somebody once called it nervous system hygiene. And I really love that because it's yeah. like, you know, you do, you brush your teeth every day, you brush your hair every day, you eat, yeah. you drink water, right? You take care of your body the best that you know how. Right. But your nervous system is so important, right? And people, if you are stressed, if you are anxious, you know, if you are feeling on edge, right? Any of those things, then you, your nervous system also needs tending to, right? Mm -hmm. There are a lot of pressures in the world that you have to respond to. And in order to be able to respond in the best way, instead of just out of habitual reactions or out of burnout, right? Right. You, you have to nourish your nervous system. I think about it sometimes like creating a break, right? Like stress builds. So if you imagine your stress going up, 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 it's going to go up, 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 up forever until you explode, unless you do something to create a break, to let that tension kind of diffuse, right? right. And that's what mindfulness and meditation practices do, right? They create that break so that some of that tension can diffuse so that you don't reach a breaking point, so that you can continue to go up and down with the natural stressors of life. And that's actually healthy. You're you're supposed to go up and down with your stress level. That's what bodies are supposed to do. You are not supposed to go up, 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 up forever. That is not good for you. That's interesting. Now, I'm sure you get messages when you meditate. I get messages. Yeah. I tell the audience, you know, the more you quiet your mind, the more information you get. Yeah. And so you become more intuitive and more in tune with the higher power, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. I just want to ask before we get out of here today, I want you to kind of explain. So the book is set up in like an eight week program. Is that proper? Yep. Do you want to kind of explain that so we understand how it works? Sure. So Uh, There's a lot of research about having eight weeks of a daily practice and how beneficial that is for your relationships, for your overall life, for stress management, all of the things. Um, It came out of John Kabat-Zinn's Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Program. So now most of the research is just based around an eight-week program for that reason. Um, So this book 
uh, Mindfulness in Me was designed to give people kind of an eight week introduction to daily practices that then you can kind of just take and make your own, like a toolbox, right? Okay. I'm giving you a saw, a hammer, a screwdriver, everything that you might need. And then you kind of take the ones that you like and use them in whatever way you know how, right? Like that's the idea. Okay, cool. So Very the cool. organization of it is just kind of for like ease of understanding and to make it make sense really. So I start with um, week one is just kind of attention practices, like sensory grounding, things like that, because it's a, an easy introduction, right? It People know what it's like to see things. You know what it's like to feel things, to taste things. So you kind of start with. Yeah, you go through the senses. I think that's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Week two is introductions to breathing techniques, which again, um, people are already kind of familiar with. You might already know one or two of them. So it's it's an easy place to start. And then, you know, emotions, affirmations. I really like week seven, which is chakras. That's my personal favorite. Mm -hmm. Um, And then week eight is creating connections. So it goes kind of from really concrete into more abstract, uh, which I think is really important to know is that if you are a beginner and mindfulness is not something that you have a lot of practice with, you'll want to start with the more concrete practices because as you experience what mindfulness and meditation is, the abstract practices will like make a lot more sense. Well, yeah, if you don't ground and that's something that people need to learn and that's what you're teaching right in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. If you don't ground and then you try to connect, you're going to be out of your body. So right. grounding is essential and people, a lot of people don't know what grounding is. Right. Um, you know, I know when I went to Sedona, I'm in Arizona, but I'm not in Sedona, about an hour away. And when I go there, I have a copper ball that I have to hold on to because yeah. so the energy there is so intense and a lot of times even here where I'm at now I'll grab my copper ball and that's to ground because a lot of people don't you find that they're just out of their body a lot of the time yeah and going back to social media I think phones have a lot to do with it that really? phone, they're just so accessible and available it's an easy way to just check out of my life you know you hear people scrolling on tiktok or instagram for two three four hours at a time i know you know and that you can easily well i don't know about two three four hours but i i catch myself because i do angel readings on tiktok and Mm -hmm. so but at night like i'll check it out you know and then i'll i'll realize god i've been on here for 10 minutes which to me is a lot you know to be on the phone but it's um i don't know it kind of gets your mind away from reality it's a checkout you're checking out you yeah really are. it's yeah. really dissociative right because your mind is not in the same place as your body yeah that's true. and that's that's the definition of dissociation what do you think about the ai stuff I'll you mean like chat gpt or what are you talking about just all the artificial intelligence you know because i in my opinion everybody just needs to connect with the higher power that's up there like you're talking about meditate and we're good to go and we we're all be a little bit happier but they're trying to bring in artificial intelligence to do i don't know a lot of things in our lives more of more of the phone more of this yeah. and so i guess that's why i bring it up well, not to put you on the spot or anything, Kira. No, it's okay. I am 100% in the camp of simplicity makes us happy. And the more so. complicated we try to make life, the less happy we will be. I also think doing things for ourselves is good. Mm-hmm. And comfort and convenience is not always the goal. 
I mean, if you look at it, they did some studies on Amish communities and I believe the statistic, don't quote me on this people, but I believe the statistic is 50% less likely to develop depression in Amish communities. And it's having a simple lifestyle, having a supportive community, feeling like you have a purpose, feeling very connected to your higher power, right? All the things that we've been talking and about. Nature, being connected with nature and to yeah. that. And yeah, it's a whole yeah. different ballgame. I, I agree with you completely. Back to simple, back to basics. We need to get back to basics. Yeah, put your hands in the dirt. <laughs> there you go. I love it. I know. I grew up on a farm and I can attest to that because I just, uh, it's funny, you know, when you're a kid and you're growing up on a farm in Ohio, you want to get out of there and go to the city and then you're older and then you realize, oh, wow, that was really cool, you know? So it's funny. It's always greener. The grass is always greener on the other side, right? <laughs> it's that way. <laughs> I'm funny. I'm really glad you put this together, you guys. It's called Mindfulness in Me, a Practical Guide for Living. What do you want to leave us with today, Kara? Well, the one thing that I've learned in the last several years of PhD research, mental health therapy, and yoga practice is that the key to life is to keep calm and be kind to yourself and others. Oh, very nice. And what's your website? How can we find you? Sure. So my website is uh, Connections Mind Body, um, Connections Mind Body Wellness, or www.connectionsmindbody.com. Okay. And that's how we can find you. Okay. Fantastic. You guys got to pick it up. It's a practical guide for living. I'm so glad you came to join us today, Kara. This is Nancy Yearout. You guys, if you want an angel reading, go to my website, nancyyearout.com. I am doing some public speaking and you can get on my calendar. Everybody have a fabulous week and God bless. <music>